Good morning. Beautiful day out, eh? Awesome day. Um, we, yeah, we're, we're continuing in our series on, uh, I've entitled it, May I Pray for You? And this morning I get to have Laura, who's going to join me in the teaching part of it. Um, this is an interactive series that we are doing. It's to make you nervous, because uh, I know you just want to come and just sit and just like fade into the seats, but no. But one of the, one of the beautiful things about, no, I shouldn't say beautiful, let me use the word mysterious things for me about prayer, is that, as you know, I'm, I, I love the cosmos, and when I think of that's the God, the name we invoke, that's the God we pray to, the God of the, all the cosmos, the God of deep space, of galaxies, of what they say, billions of galaxies that they, they're guesstimating out there. And that's the God we invoke in prayer, and that that God actually does talk to us, does love us. And in my little puny brain, it doesn't make any sense because how can a God of that magnitude, that infinity, care about me? That's just less than a speck in comparison to everything. And yet that God does. And so, and I'm a firm believer that God speaks to anybody and everybody. I just firmly believe that. And one of the things I appreciate about Laura and Patrick, who, are, who really head up like the prayer ministry aspect of our church, is when they talk about it, they make it sound so simple, so easy. And because um, I didn't grow up that way. I grew up where the people who prayed for you were either the pastor or the elders. They would pray for you, right? And, but they make it so easy, so simple. And, and, and you know why they do? Because it is. <laughs> it, it's conversing with the one who loves you the most. That's what it is, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. So we are following. So John Wimber came out with a, he wanted to make it easy for, for everybody to pray. And he came up with a five-step healing prayer model, a prayer, the five-step prayer model for healing prayer. And uh, it's, it's really basic, really simple. And here's what we've covered so far. We are moving into step four this morning, but here's what we have covered so far. Um, first of all, what I introduced was whenever we pray for other people, I come with the posture of the royal law, which is love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, when I pray for you, I need to see you, but remember, you're my neighbor, and God calls me to love you as I would love myself, and so I pray for you as I'd want someone to pray for me. It's that simple. It's that simple. So that's sort of like the baseline because we, we want to create a safe space for, you, for people. And we want prayer to be something that is a blessing for all. Um, so that's really important for us. So the, the first step that was introduced, and Patrick introduced actually the first two to us, but we'll, step one is simply the interview, which is what it is. You, if you go to pray for someone, you're going to pray for someone, or you know, someone asks you, "Can you pray for me?" It's how can I how can I pray for you? Um, and maybe it could be an injury that they have or an illness, and it's quite visible, it's quite plain, and so you know how do you can pray. But at the same time, as I'm asking the person, I always want to have this thing going, conversation going on in my head. So God, what do I do? <laughs> 
right? I, I, I'm, I'm one of the on-call chaplains at the hospital, and that's going on in my head all the time. Oh, God, what do I do? I don't know what to do. I, I don't know this person. I don't know what to do. I feel awkward. I feel, I feel like I've invaded some privacy, some space here. And listen. So we, a lot of times we feel we've got we to gotta talk, 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 talk. And we don't really have to. We can just actually say to the person, uh, we're just going to listen to see what God has to say. Because God might have something to say here. And we're asking God, is there any words, images, pictures, any insights you can give me? Can you help me at all? And sometimes it is like, quiet. <laughs> and, but that's okay. It's a good place to be because you're in that vulnerable place where you really have to lean on the Holy Spirit. And that's good. That's a good place to be, actually. Um, and which leads us to step two. And step two is the diagnosis. Sounds very medical, eh? But it's not. <laughs> it's just if healing is needed, you know, it's a simple natural prayer, you know, God come and heal. Um, but there could be something else that's involved because as people share, what may come to light is that maybe there's sin involved. The person has been sinned against or they have gone somewhere in their life that has just has gone wonky for them. And uh, there could be emotional trauma. There could be relational breakups that have occurred in their lives that, that impact us because we are a complete whole, right? The emotional effects are physical. The physical effects are mental. All of that and everything is intertwined. And so things can affect. And so it's, it sounds very complex and in some way it is, but when the Holy Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit can go right to the heart and bring healing. And the Holy Spirit's amazing that way. You know what? It forces you to lean into God and just trust that God will speak to you. Step three that was covered by Tab, I believe, is the prayer, select the prayer. What type of prayer? Is it like you, you spin something and, oh, it's this prayer? No. If I know there's, it's a prayer of healing, then I'm going to pray for that and I'm going to you know, speak to the body to be healed. And depends. And, and there's laying on of hands that takes place. And one of the things that's been, some things that have been really adamant that have been said as we've talked about this is, Guys pray for guys, women pray for women. We want to create a safe space, and that's how that happens in that, in that place. It just creates a safe place. As well, if you're laying on of hands is important. It was modeled in the New Testament. However, some people aren't comfortable having hands laid on them. So it's just not, you don't go, mm, <laughs> uh, because that shuts them down right away. Boom, done. We don't want to do that. So you ask, would it be okay if I lay hands on and if they say no, that's okay. Could I just put my hand here? Like just, you know, distance? That's okay. Just very, very practical. And, and the prayer can be different. When I say, you know, how can it be different? Well, if you read the New Testament, Jesus sometimes, well, Peter and John, they go into the temple. This is after Jesus has resurrected in that. They go into the temple for prayer times. And there's a lame man. And uh, Peter says, we don't have any money. Well, and the guy is asking for money is what he's asking for. Peter said, I don't have any money. But what we do have, we can give you in the name of Jesus, stand up and walk. It's a prayer of command, right? It's a, it's a proclamation of faith. That's a, that's a prayer, right? You know? And so there's different prayers there. And, um, and that's, that's the prayer selection. And now, if what I've shared with you sounds very complex and you go, gosh, I don't want to get involved in this. It is. <laughs> if you think it's up to you to get it right. If you think it's up to you to get it right, figure it all out, it's really hard. If you think if it all depends on you, super, super hard. Because that's a heavy burden to carry. That I gotta, I gotta, I gotta do something here that, you know. And, and, but the good news is, it's not up to you. 
It really isn't. It truly, truly isn't. So let that go. Let it go. Okay? Just let, let that go. Which brings us to step four, which is prayer engagement. And I want to share two stories with you that speak to my posture when praying. And just one story is a little bit longer than the second story. And it's from Scripture, from the Old Testament. First one is Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Stories found in 1 Kings, chapter 18. And what happened? So Elijah was a prophet, prophet of God, well known. So you could say he's almost famous, right? If he was here today, he'd have his own ministry on TV, probably on the internet, maybe. We don't know. But he was a prophet. And he lived during the reign of King Ahab, who was king of Israel. Ahab was wicked. He was wicked because he led Israelites to, rather than worshiping the God of the universe, he had them worship the God Baal and also the goddess Asherah. Those two. And of course, with Elijah being a prophet for God and Ahab being the king, they were at loggerheads. Boom, boom, boom. And Ahab literally loathed Elijah and hated him and wanted him dead. Had no use for him. And so... During, during, that, during that time, God gave a message. God was ticked with Ahab. God gave a message to Elijah to let Ahab know that there's going to be a famine in the land. And it's going to last three years. So the famine started. And by the third year, God had another message to Elijah to tell Ahab the famine's going to come to an end. And I want you to go tell him that. So Elijah arranged to have a meet with Ahab. They met, and the words out of Scripture, the first thing that Ahab said to Elijah when he saw him was, what do you want, you troublemaker for Israel? And Elijah goes, me? You're the troublemaker. You're the one causing the problem. And it's sort of like, let's put an end to all this. Let's prove once and for all who is God. And so Elijah tells Ahab, you get the people of Israel and you get 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah and meet us at Riverside Park in Preston. No, it wasn't that. Meet us at Mount Carmel. <laughs> meet us at Mount Carmel. A lot of people though, right? You got 450 prophets, 400 or 950 prophets plus people, not, not, probably not all the people of Israel, but all, a whole whack of people gathered. Ahab did. We'll, Ahab agreed, we'll meet, let's meet. So they met. And uh, Elijah called for two bulls to be brought. Cause, and at this point where they were on Mount Carmel, there was, there was uh, an altar that had been created for Baal. And the altar for God had been torn down. So Elijah speaks to the crowd and he says to them, how long are you folks going to waver on, on these two different opinions? Either the God of Israel is God, then worship God, worship that God. Or if Baal is the God, your God, then worship Baal. But choose one or the other. You can't do both because there was some waver, there's some like walk in the fence here. So they said, let's find out who, who really is God. And Elijah ordered two bulls to be brought up. And he told the prophets, choose, you can choose a bull, choose the one you want. Cut it into pieces. I know that sounds gross, but that's what they did. Cut it into pieces and lay the pieces on the altar, but don't light the, fi- uh, the altar on fire. 
This is supposed to be a burnt offering. You don't light the, the you don't light it on fire. I will choose the other bowl and I will lay that one on the altar. You pray to your God, I'll pray to my God. And whosoever altar catches on fire, that's the God we worship. Deal? And they went, deal, sure. And Elijah being the gentleman he was, he said, you go first. And so they said, okay. So it was, it was in the morning, probably just after brekkie. And so they take the bowl, cut it up into pieces, put it on the altar. And the prophets of Baal start uh, dancing around and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and tick, 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 tick. Comes up to noon. Nothing's happened so far. And the scripture says Elijah starts, starts to mock them. And he says things like, you'll have to shout louder for surely he is a God. And he says to them, perhaps he is daydreaming, or I love this, or is he's relieving himself. Or maybe he is away on a trip or asleep and he needs to be woken up. I don't know, do something. And so they began to yell louder and they began to dance harder and dance, dance, dance. And then, you know, one o'clock, two o'clock, three o'clock into the afternoon, four o'clock, and they're going. And they went to the point where they started cutting themselves with knives and with swords, it says, and there was blood all over the place and, and they're going and going and going. No fire. Supper time comes and Elijah goes, okay, my turn. Takes his bowl. Well, what he does is he goes over to the altar that's been torn down. He rebuilds it, digs a little trench around it, and then he puts wood on top of it. He gets the bowl, cuts it up into pieces, lays it, lays it all over the altar, and, uh, and then he tells them, get four jars, fill them with water, bring them here, dump it on the wood. And you know, if you, ta- if you want to build a campfire and you put all the wood together and you dump water on it, good luck. Not going to happen, right? They dump it on. They dump it on. Do it. He says, do it again. Fill up the four jars. Bring it. Dump it on. Do it again. <laughs> they do it again. They, and scripture says that the, the little, the trench around the altar was filled up with water. It was that soaked. And then he prays. And this is what Elijah prayed. O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command, O Lord. Answer me so that these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Kaboom! (laughs) The kaboom was probably, I'm guessing it was a lightning bolt. Came, hit the altar, and it said a it burn up the, the, the meat, burn up the wood, burn up the stones, burn up the dust, the everything. Bang. The point when it comes to prayer ministry, all the noise and all the antics won't make it happen. You can't make it happen. Prophets of Baal proved that. They did everything they could possibly think of doing and nothing. It was Elijah's faith in the God of this world that made it happen. And Elijah knew that. The other one I want to uh, talk to you about real quick, and this, that's this guy here, John the Baptist, found in the Gospels there. Um, by the way, Jesus identified John the Baptist as, right, Elijah. I, I, I didn't realize until afterwards, it was like, oh, that's interesting. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus, roughly the same age. He was a prophet as well, but he was also a Nazarene. He, uh, he took a vow of uh, no alcohol. He didn't cut his hair. And um, he, he was out in the wilderness. He stayed out in the wilderness. He called people to repent and he baptized. Gave, it was, and he did a baptism of repentance to, for the people. 
And, uh, but what was happening in, with John the Baptist is some of the people were wondering, because John the Baptist was announcing that the Messiah is coming, that the Messiah is coming. But some people were actually wondering, is, is it, we wonder if John the Baptist is the Messiah, actually. And that's what, that's what was the questions that were starting to swirl around. And it even got to the point where his, John's own disciples, his disciples, began to wonder, you think, do you think maybe he is actually the Messiah? And they went and they went to John and they said, hey, are you the Messiah by any chance? And John had this to say, and this is found in the disciple John, his gospel, the gospel of John. And, and this is what John said to his disciples. No one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. And you yourselves know how plainly I told you, I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. And it is the bridegroom who marries the bride and the bridegroom's friend is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater and I must become less and less. John and Elijah remind us that when we pray, when I pray for someone, I need to remember that I am simply a servant. And I serve best when I begin to fade into the background and Jesus is the prominent one present when we pray. It's not about me. Not about me, not ever. Not ever about me. So I want you to hold those two stories just put that in the back of your mind. Laura's going to speak to us about practically the step of step four, which is prayer engagement. All right, I'm on. There you go. <laughs> um, so um, what we, we want to do today, we're going to do a little demo just to kind of talk about the different steps. And then we're going to actually break you into groups so that you can practice because one of the things that I've learned is that if you don't practice this, if you don't, you know, you're never going to feel comfortable with it. Mm. And like Scott had said, you know, it's not about us. It's, it's about learning to listen to God. It's about hearing his voice and knowing, you know, where he wants to direct you when you're praying for somebody. And I can say that a very long time ago when I first became a Christian and I came, uh, was starting to come to this church and came to a place where, you know, this is what people do here. They pray for people. They, you know, they do that part. We had a small group that Patrick run. And uh, I can probably tell you that pretty much everybody who was in that small group, um, we all thought, well, we can't hear, really hear from God. We can't really, like, that's not us. Like, you know, maybe you can do that, Patrick. Maybe you hear and you can pray for people and know what to do. But we were all like, yeah, no, that's not us. And um, well, then, you know, with practice, with we prayed for each other regularly at our small group. It was a big part of what we did at the end of every time we met. And then we all started to realize, wow, yeah, God actually, he does speak to all of us. Like anybody can hear God. And we just need to take ourselves out of the way and not be really concerned about the fact that maybe we're going to say the wrong thing or maybe what we're sensing that God's telling us seems really dumb. Like I've had that where I've had a word for somebody and I think, well, that just makes no sense. That's just stupid, right? Like I don't know, why, how would I, why would I say that to somebody? But, you know, it's like I feel 
the sense that God's saying, no, no, you need to say that to the person. And then I do. And sure enough, suddenly like, oh, it means a big thing to them. And it's like, okay, I have to remember, just trust what God is, is showing me and, uh, and take the risk, I guess. And it can feel scary. It can feel like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it doesn't feel very comfortable. But in the long run, the more we do it, the more comfortable it gets. And people are so blessed when we pray for them. So I think that that's a really important part of it. So I'm going to ask Margaret Ellen and Lori Little to come up because we're going to do a little demo, talk about the actual steps that we... I know we've talked, like Tab's talked about different kinds of commanding prayer and intercessory and those kinds of things last um, time that she did. So this is like the practical, right? So one of the things Scott mentioned is women pray for women, men pray for men. So we're going to have... These are women. I'm a woman. We're going to pray for each other. Um, <laughs> and the other thing that we, we practice here when we're ministering is to always try to do three people. It's just a, a safety thing. Um, prayer prayer creates a place of intimacy with God, but it can sometimes create a place of intimacy with the people praying for somebody. And that can be sometimes misconstrued. So we always want to make sure that we're creating a safe environment for the person being prayed for and for the people that are praying. So that's the other thing that we always want to keep in mind. Um, So sometimes when we see prayer ministry at the end of the service, I might be running around pulling people in to make sure that we have that two to one scenario. So so really when we're, we've talked about the interview. So we're saying we've already done this interview for you know, with Lori here, she's going to be the one being prayed for. So what would be the next step that we would ask her after, if we're going to start to engage in prayer with her? Can I lay hands on you? Yeah, so that was what we would ask. Can we lay our hands on you? So we would, depending on where, what Lori wanted prayer for, if she had a physical pain, uh, her knee was hurting, her back, or something specific like that that she wanted prayer for, then we would ask if we could put hands on that specific place. Or uh, they may want to put their own hand on that, and you would put your hand over top. That's kind of how we would do it. Sometimes if we have a situation where maybe we're, we can't have, you know, like maybe we couldn't do this situation here, Lori's wanting prayer, we would get her husband Brian to join so that we had, she had that person with her for that safety piece as well. So, so we would lay our hands on, uh, on her. If it's nothing specific physical, often it's, you know, just on their shoulder, if that's where they feel comfortable, so... We're going to lay hands on her today, and uh, that would be the next step. So you see Lori's put her hands out because she wants to receive from what uh, God's going to give to her today. Um, so she's opening herself up. She's surrendering herself to be open to, to receive. So that's a great piece, too. And then as we would start to pray, we would always invite the Holy Spirit to come into the situation. So we would say, come Holy Spirit, and we can say, you know what, the Holy Spirit's always around, we carry the Holy Spirit with us, which we do, but when we invite the Holy Spirit, we're inviting him to participate and to actually move in this this place and in this moment with that person. So we are partnering with the Holy Spirit, that's our our job. We get ourselves out of the way. We invite him to partner with us so that we can be his servants and uh, be the vessel to deliver whatever message he may have for the person we're praying for. So we do that with Lori. We ask Holy Spirit to come and then we would tell her that we're going to listen and we're going to just see what God might, might have to say. Sometimes if it's a physical prayer, like about a physical healing piece, um, we would still listen because Sometimes God has more that he wants to do than what we might know or that the person might know that he wants to do. So he might 
this person might come up and say, well, my knee's really sore, and, uh, and we would lay hands on the knee to pray. But then we might also find out, I think, you know, Tab spoke about this when she spoke in the last thing. There might be something, there might be some unforgiveness there might be we, that we might be sensing. Or there might be a scripture or um, a picture that we might get that we would want to share with Lori. And then that would, you know, maybe that would speak to her as well. And it might not have anything to do with the sore knee, but it could have to do with something that's within her emotionally or spiritually that's impacting the physical pain. So that would be the next piece that we would do um, and ask her to do. So is there a specific place we can lay hands on you for? (laughs) Your leg. Okay. So we're going to say your leg. So we would ask if we can lay hands on your leg. Is that okay? (laughs) Yeah. Right. But this is a specific spot. So like maybe she's got pain in her abdomen and she may not want, like, you know, she may not, that's kind of a more intimate leg is easier, but you know, that might be feel a little bit more uncomfortable so we just want to double check so so we're going to lay uh hands on her leg and um and then we would just we would listen and see if there's anything that came up while we were praying for for Lori and then we would wait and the other thing that's really important for us as the ones praying is we want to keep our eyes open I mean you may have your eyes closed briefly but it's very important to keep your eyes open because you want to see where the Holy Spirit's moving Because sometimes the person who's receiving prayer, they may start to show physically that we would not see if our eyes were closed. So sometimes they might have, maybe they might be, they might start to shake a little bit. Their hands might shake or they, they might seem like they're trembling. Um, Lots of times people might start to cry. I've seen that happens a lot. And also, you know, they might, maybe they start to get a little smile on their face or something like that. And you want to be able to ask them and check in with them. You know, do you, are you sensing something? What's God saying to you? Is he speaking something to you? Is he talking to you about something? Is there something that you're hearing or seeing? And that can help guide us as to where the Holy Spirit is moving so that we can continue to join with him in that prayer. So we're not, we're not, you know, actually going to do this today in terms of listening to hear what Lori might be saying, but because we're going to do that in our, in our group time here. And I think the other thing that's really important is when, when do we finish? How do we know when we're done? And I think you need to be in tune with the Holy Spirit for that as well to know, okay, I'm, you know, I'm sensing that we're done. You can ask the person how they're feeling. They may say, I feel like I'm done, (laughs) you know, Um, and you may even sometimes feel like there's maybe more that that you're sensing and you also need to check with yourself too right and check with God is this something you want me to say is should we continue here or can we arrange another time to meet to pray with this person or connect them with the prayer ministry team so that we can pray because it might be bigger than what we want to do here on a Sunday Um, it shouldn't be that we're here I mean not that it doesn't happen sometimes but we shouldn't be up here for you know a half an hour praying for somebody it should be relatively uh, short and then if there's more then we want to encourage them to receive prayer and to connect to the ministry team so that we can maybe arrange to have a longer session with them. So any questions about what we talked about? Seems simple, right? <laughs> yes, Helen? I just wanted to emphasize, I love this line. What version is that, Scott? New Living. I am filled with joy at his success. And I just want to emphasize, if you're nervous, if you have fear, you should have fear of missing out. 
Fear of missing out on the joy and the excitement of seeing the Lord answer prayer. Because it is amazing. So go for it. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, we know that, uh, you know, I don't know if anybody here has experienced physical healing or, a, you know, a healing. I'm sure lots of people have. You know, I, I experienced a physical healing a number of years ago. Um, I had carpal tunnel. I was scheduled to have surgery. I'd received prayer many, many times, um, which is another point to make that sometimes we need to pray you know, frequently and again and again <laughs> and, and keep, keep pressing in for that. And then one night at small group, um, I received prayer again and I woke up, I, I, I absolutely knew something had happened and I woke up the next morning. I had no more pain. I went back to the neurologist and, um, there was no need for me to have surgery anymore. There was no issue at all. So, um, yeah, praise God. And it's to, that was back in like 20, 2005 or six or something like that. So, it's been good. Anyway, Pam? I just wanted to say, too, like, I, I like to pray with another person as well because it helps to keep me in check of what I'm hearing. So when you're praying with another person, sometimes it's like a conversation you're having three-way because they might be getting, a like, I'm seeing this, and it might be like, I don't know what that is. And then Laura can say, oh, okay, well, that makes sense because I was thinking about this. And then they can say, oh, yeah, that makes sense. So I think praying with a couple of people also helps keep us in check, and it's an encouragement for us, right? Because we don't, it's like we don't get all the pieces and I think God designs it that way so we can all be a part of what's happening actually that happened um, a couple of weeks ago and Helen and I were praying for somebody and um, uh, I had like a picture for the person and then Helen had a scripture that was like I mean it matched exactly what I was seeing and 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 filled in the gaps for that piece and it was a yeah that was a perfect way way to uh to do it as well. So, um, and I think, you know, I, sometimes when we are concerned about what we should say or shouldn't say, or maybe you hold back because you think, oh, I don't think I'm going to say that to the person. I have been in a situation where I'm praying with somebody or somebody else was, and they didn't say it. And then maybe I got the word or somebody else then said exactly what God was speaking to me. And it's like, God's kind of going, okay, well, if you're not ready yet, I'll get this person over here to say it because that person needs to hear it. Right. So, you know, just, just be open and, uh, and again, get out of the way. Let God be the one who is successful um, when there's less of us and there's so much more of him. So, yep. Yeah, yeah, you can see. I just wanted to add, sometimes we get all bent out of shape and we've got to pray the perfect prayer. If God wants to heal somebody, he's already pointed that person out. Um, when I was in the Philippines this year... Uh, we were walking along. I saw this house with this lady in it. And I said, I think we're supposed to pray for her. So we always have a translator, right? So that we pray something and then they tell the person what it is. And they introduce us and all that kind of thing. But this lady, when our little translator sort of, she sort of said, I don't think she's hearing me. I don't even know what to do. What am I going to do? So here we are, she doesn't know what to say because the lady is not responding at all. And so this is where you kind of have to trust God and you kind of say, okay, I don't recommend this as a model, (laughs) okay? (laughs) But I was just sort of taken like, God wants to heal her. And I said, 
God, you promised to make deaf ears hear, so do your thing. <laughs> and miraculously, this lady, the, the little translator, started to talk to her, and she all of a sudden she could hear. So don't be taken back by, oh, I don't know the right words to say. If God's got it in his heart, he's going to heal them. 100%. Thank you, Deb. That's great. So just to um, summarize just the steps, you're going to ask, you know, I obviously in this situation, but you're going to ask me to lay hands on. You're going to ask, this is, we're going to practice this for real. So when you get into groups, you're going to ask if they, what they want prayer for. Um, and then you're going to listen and you're going to see what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. Um, keep your eyes open so that you can see what's happening. You invite the Holy Spirit to come and join you. And, uh, and then when it's done, it's done, right? If they feel done, if you feel done, and you let the person know, I feel like we're, we're finished now and we're done, and then we finish up. So if you can break yourself into groups of three, men with men, women with women, and, uh, and we're going to, I know I can just see fear on people's faces, but uh, <laughs> I can see it already. And believe me, me coming up here today to stand here and speak, great amount of fear. So if I can do this and let God just do his thing, then you can too. So get yourself into some groups. So we're probably, we're going to take just like about 10 minutes so that we can practice what we're learning. Because ideally we want everybody in our church to feel comfortable to be praying for people. Because that's a big, big part of uh, who we are as a vineyard.